There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. There's not a lot of things that would pull my collaborator, Nate Sloan, out of paternity leave for an emergency recording. However, Nate, something important has happened. Charlie, I'm here. Just five months ago, Taylor Swift shined the Swift signal at the moon and announced that she dropped a new album in quarantine, makes this record folklore. In my defense, I have none for never leaving well enough alone. But it would have been fun if you would have been the one. Surprise, she's done it again. She's created a sister album. Your mom's ring in your pocket, my picture in your wallet. Your heart was glass, I dropped it. Champagne problems. And I kid you not, I think this is the most requested piece that our listeners have asked for. So here we are. Few things could draw me from the bliss of being a newborn parent, but Taylor Swift dropping an album supersedes everything. So <laughs> I'm here, I'm ready to listen and overanalyze. Let's do this. Welcome to Switched On Pop. I'm songwriter Charlie Harding. And I'm musicologist Nate Sloan. All right, Evermore, our task. Is it Evermore or an afterthought? That's what we're going to try to look at because here's the thing. is like someone puts out an album, you kind of expect the next album to be an evolution of that material. And yet Taylor has done something fairly original. Just continued the writing process, continued that sort of same project, same collaborators, primarily with Aaron Dessner of The National. Right. Her partner, Joseph Alwyn, under the pseudonym William Bowery, Justin Vernon of Bon Iver and Jack Antonoff, and mm. a handful of other collaborators have come together. According to them, they just couldn't stop writing songs, right? And so we need to take a listen to them and figure out, yeah, how does this project stack up? Be honest with me. What was your impression when you first listened to the album? Were you like listening in the background with a kid going on? Yeah, I don't know if I was. It had my undivided attention, and it kind of felt like folklore part too it was lovely it was wonderful but it wasn't melting my brain like folklore did back in july similarly i was listening in the background and had a initial first impression that's like oh yeah the sonic territory of this thing feels familiar Mm -hmm. and i've seen a lot of writing where critics are saying well this is just more of the same i think that as a sort of first reaction doesn't do this album justice because when i took a deeper listen I realized there's a whole lot more there. The more that you say, the less I know. Wherever you stray, I follow. I'm begging for you to take my hand. Wreck my plans, that's my man. Life was a willow and it bent right. And yes, some of the instrumentation, the sort of folkiness of the previous record is here as well. But... This is really an album about songs. This is a project about songs. And 
frankly, I really like a bunch of songs here. That's awesome. Let's. I'm ready to plumb the depths and turn this afterthought into the main focus. If we take the 30,000-foot view of the music here, it's a really curious project because you have silly songs, songs like Dorothea. Hey, Dorothea, do you ever stop and think about me? which is basically like a makeup note to an old school friend that she's Mm. fallen out of touch with. And it's a little goofy. And we even get some of that playground game sort of rhymes that she does in songs like me. And I fell from the pedestal right down the rabbit hole. Long story short, it was a bad time. We have allusions to Alice in Wonderland going down Mm. the rabbit hole. And we actually get some real nursery rhymes like she's done in me. shake it off my ex-man brought his new girlfriend she's like oh my god i'm just gonna shake into the pillow on the song champagne problems we get one for the money two for the show one for the money two for the show i never was ready so i watch you go sometimes you just so there's a lot of sort of childhood nostalgia some really sort of fun silly work there, there are songs that are often about characters that she's making up Then we have very personal songs as well, some very serious songs. Songs like Coney Island. Mm. Break my soul in two, looking for you, but you're right here. If I can't relate to you any more than who am I related to? It's melancholic and nostalgic. She's written this with The National, who are sort of known for that exact sound. I think when we listen closely, though, what we're going to find is that this is in many ways, yes, a continuation of folklore. But what Taylor does on this record is synthesizes her country early period. Tennessee Taylor. Her pop middle period. New York Taylor. And her introspective later period. L.A. Taylor. Yes, she takes all of her songwriting skills from all those places and phases of her career and combines them together in Evermore. We're going to hear Tennessee Taylor lyricism, Mm. a bunch of pop instrumentation, and all of it subdued in this very sort of folky production because this is all about highlighting songs. And I think the first song that we should listen to is the opening track and single off the album, Willow. The more that you say, the less I know Wherever you stray, I follow I'm begging for you to take my hand Wreck my plans, that's my man I mean, I'm picking up on what you were saying earlier. It's like, this feels like a record about songs, about songwriting. Yeah. It's interesting because I feel like whenever Taylor Swift releases a new album, everyone rushes to try and kind of decode right. the meaning, the Easter eggs. Totally. What, what is this? Who is this about? What is she trying to say? What's the secret meaning of this line, of this word? But it's like this album is such a clear indication of the opposite, that this is like a testament to yeah. creation and to make-believe and to imagination and to the skill of songwriting. And like the first line of this second verse. Life was a willow and it bent right to your wind. Life was a willow and it bent right to your wind. Uh, is like, whew. Yeah. 
I mean, first of all, it's a beautiful image, beautiful and 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 a and a compelling metaphor, right? But then also the the kind of scansion of it, the declamation, the way it starts with that life, that's kind of soft L, and then it, right in the middle you get that hard bend, and then the soft wind again. It's like very mm-hmm. omnipoetic. This is the Tennessee Taylor, right? This is like that is that country metaphor. There's some more direct Tennessee Taylor things that we'll hear, but for me, this is as, yeah, as you as you put, it, this is about songwriting and. Certainly, there are Easter eggs. She's brilliant at placing puzzles in her music. And if that's what you want to do, cool. Go find them. Figure out what song's about who. See how it's inter- all interrelated. But this is a piece where, yeah, the music just immediately jumped out for me. As I was saying earlier, this is not any one genre. It really feels like her merging all of the things that she knows how to do. So we have the lyricism. But we also have some very clear pop sensibility to the song, mm-hmm. right? Supporting this wonderful declamation that you you pointed to, the way that she places her words in the in the meter. There are these very pop syncopated drums. And I think a lot of folks might think, hey, this is a folk record. But a folk record is usually gonna have pretty straight rhythms. Her rhythms here are danceable, right? Yeah. This is almost a Caribbean beat. Yeah. And you can even catch some of that in the sort of a marimba-like quality and the instrumentation. Yeah, we've got that prototypical reggaeton boom, chip, boom, chip, boom, chip, boom, chip, boom, chip, boom, chip. Exactly. Part of what we get when we are listening to Evermore plus folklore is, yeah, there's some folky elements, but really what this is, is it's about taking the elements of pop and then really kind of putting them in the background, right? The percussion here is very muted. It's not in your face. I'm like the water when your ship rolled in that night. It's definitely recessed. Willow's not the only song borrowing from pop. We can hear pop electronics in the song Marjorie. And if I didn't know better, I think you were talking to me now. We can hear skittering hi-hats and tolerate it. Wait by the door like I'm just a kid. Use my best colors for your portrait. All throughout the album, there are Again, in the background, kind of behind everything else, behind her voice, because her voice and her lyrics ought to be centered. That's what this album is about. We still have the skeleton of a pop song. And then she takes all of this pop production and she pairs it with these more folksy elements. She's kind of riding this indie wave that's happening. And one of the instruments really gives this away for me. When we listen to the beginning of Willow, we get these really lovely sort of muted guitars. This is a increasingly popular sound in the world of sort of indie folk poppy stuff, right? We hear very similar sounds on Phoebe Bridger's album Punisher. Her 
her producer Ethan Griska is known for using these uh, these guitars that have these muted rubber bridges that make them almost sound like uh, almost like a banjo like quality. People like mm. Blake Mills use it as well. Our friend Jenny Owen Youngs plays with these as well. Jeff Tweedy from Wilco. Chuck, can you elucidate a little more the differences in these guitar tones that you're talking about? Uh, you know, a typical guitar is going to sound like this. It's going to ring open and bright. And then when you do this sort of rubber bridge method, you can hear it's muted. And as I was saying, like, it has this like banjo quality. It's very plucky. And it's good for adding a great percussive element, which we're getting in Willow. Even though it's acoustic guitar, it's acting not unlike even, you know, EDM plucks. Whoa. You could even associate it in the same world of something like Shape of You by Ed Sheeran. It's got that same plucky quality, but moving from EDM into indie folk. So with Willow, we've got beautiful lyricism. We've got that pop production hiding behind the vocal and we have these indie folk sounds and that's what we're going to get through a lot of the rest of this album and to take us into our next song i actually want to have taylor cue us up with one of my favorite lines from willow they count me out time and time again life was a Taylor's not above putting a meme in even a very serious song. Do we hear any 90s trends on these on this record? Yes, I think we do. This brings us to one of the most fun songs on the record. Nobody, no crime. Or no body, no crime. <laughs> I think it's the latter. <laughs> I think he did it, but I just can't prove it. No, nobody, no You asked, are there any 90s trends here? And doesn't that just feel familiar? Sounds like a Dixie Chicks song or something. Ah, yes. Now known as just the Chicks. Or Oasis, maybe. Yeah, totally. I mean, it has a lot of 90s elements. I mean, even it even has some early Taylor. There's I can hear some like Tim McGraw or teardrops on my guitar kind of acoustic qualities. Maybe even a Paula Cole. I don't want to wait kind of thing. But if there's any one song, trust me, I just you're going to put them in. They work. No, I don't. I'm not giving you that, but yeah, please continue. All right. If, if that doesn't work, what about this one? Oh, it's like an acoustic version of Tom Petty. Yeah. Mary Jane's Last Dance. Song dropped in 1993, very popular throughout the 90s, and it has a similar drum groove. It has a very similar sort of guitar sound, except for from electric to acoustic, as you pointed yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Estes, a friend of mine. We meet up every Tuesday night for dinner and a glass of wine. Estes, been losing sleep. Her husband's acting different. So this is a song with the wonderful women of the group Heim, the three Mm. Heim sisters. And this song is sort of in that same format of one of her great songs from the last album, The Last Great American Dynasty. Mm -hmm. This is a song where, based around some truths, 
there is sort of this imagined world that Taylor creates. And in this one, it's a murder ballad about S.D. Hine. S.D. wasn't there. Tuesday night at all, they've gotten out of job or anywhere. He reports his missing wife. And I noticed when I passed this house, his truck has got some brand new tires. Yeah, this one is so much fun. And it's like a testament to that theme we were talking about earlier, right? Like, I defy you to argue that there's any Easter eggs in this song about (laughs) one of the Heim sisters actually committing murder. This is made up. This is invention. Totally. And it's brilliant and it's fun and it's clever. And the joy of it is not trying to understand how this might translate to events in her real life. It's to kind of marvel <laughs> at the, the, the wit and the danger and the, the kind of macabre fun of it. Yeah, you're totally right. This is also fun because it's in the country murder ballad style. This could be a Johnny Cash kind of song. So again, we got some early roots kind of thing. We've got some 90s stuff going on. But there's one thing you're wrong about. This is a place where I actually think there are some fun Easter eggs because you got it wrong a little bit. By the time we come back to the end of the song, it turns out, no, 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 Essie didn't murder anybody. Oh, right. She's the victim. She's the victim. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Exactly. And so this is kind of like in the style of blank space where Taylor really plays up the media narrative of her being like conniving or backstabbing, Mm -hmm. right? And so she's kind of like playing with that concept because, of course, she does end up being, I guess, the literal backstabber in this song. She thinks I did it, but she just can't prove it. No, nobody, no crime. I wasn't letting up until the day. This is a double murder. But she's, I mean, back, backstabber is not the right word because she's taking, she's a, it's a righteous, it's a righteous kill. No, of course. I actually was trying to uh, flip the metaphor. It's not actually about her stabbing someone. It's about, it was about her stabbing someone in the back, literally, not figuratively. Yeah, totally. So there's also one of, a fe- this features one of my favorite kind of rhetorical musical devices in in Taylor Swift songs. What's that? Which is where the chorus changes from beginning to end. Exactly. Right. In the beginning, the chorus is, I think he did it, but I just can't prove it. I think he did it, but I just can't prove it. And by the end, it's, they think she did it, but they just can't prove it. They think she did it, but they just can't prove it. They think she did it. That is so satisfying when she does that. It really gives you this sense of the song having like an arc and a progression. And it's such a such a great payoff when she tweaks the chorus like that to reflect how the song has developed and revealed itself to you. Mwah. Good thing my daddy made me get a boating license when I was 15. And I've cleaned enough houses to know how to cover up a scene. Good thing Esty's sister's gonna swear she was with me. She was with me, dude. Good thing his mistress took out a big life insurance policy. That's a beautiful thing. Even that subtle, she thinks I did it, but she just can't prove it. 
can't prove it because she had an alibi. The Heim sister was like, nope, she was with me. It's a really fun track. And this is what's, this is what's so, so wild about this album is at times it's, it's very serious. Just like on folklore, there are these really fun, playful songs that are often the sort of Tennessee Taylor throwback country illusions. One that might sort of blend between the serious and the playful would be a song like Tis the Damn Season. And in many ways, for me, this is the most country of all the songs on the album. Even if it doesn't have that twang, it's got the lyric. We've got all the essential elements. We've got messy mud on the truck tires, and we have a nice little tag of, and it always leads you to my hometown on an unresolved chord, which is kind of nice. This also has just that fundamental country kind of phrasing where she takes a rhyme and then will play with the phrasing, extend it out. Something like, we could call it even, you could call me babe for the weekend. So Hmm. we have a short line, we could call it even, and then a long line. You could call me babe for the weekend. Tis the damn season. So we get these rhymes occurring at different points in the bar. And it just has that real country sort of feel. No twang, but it has the cadence. It has the lyrical tropes. uh, And we see that she's obviously pulling from the things that she's great from the very beginning of her career. There's actually uh, a term for that in in country music from the, the country scholars jimmy n rogers and miller williams it's called the hinged figure all right hold on there cowboy we're gonna take a short break and when we come back you can tell me about this so-called hinged figure there's no distance too far for the perfect trip hi checking in for or the perfect table hey where are you coming and when you get access to resi priority notify with your amex platinum card hey this looks amazing i'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Fox Creative. This is advertiser content from 26.2 Team Milk and their new docuseries, Running Sucks. Is running the worst? Yeah. Do you love it? Do you hate it? I hate it so much. (laughs) I hate it so freaking much. That you're a real runner now! <laughs> I'm Abby Ayers, a 37-year-old mom from Utah who found herself running across the Manhattan Bridge in my first race ever. Running Sucks celebrates women who run and the running communities that carry them across the finish line. Running helped me in so many ways postpartum. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. For every person like you, I'm telling you you belong, and I'm telling you you can do it. I never thought the words would leave my mouth, but yes, I'm planning on running a marathon. (laughs) I can't even say it without laughing, because, like, who would have thought? Watch Running Sucks at runningsuckstheseries.com and learn more about how Team Milk is helping women runners across the country conquer their next course. 
Okay, Nate, so what is this hinged figure in country music that you speak of? It's when you kind of have like a double lyrical figure that goes in two different directions. For instance, like the country artist Bobby Bear has a line, by day I make the cars, by night I make the bars. But by day I make the cars, by night I make the bars. Conway Twitty has, since she's not with the one she loves... She loves the one she's with. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now since she's not with the one she loves, she loves the one she's with. So how does this work in Tis the Damn Season? The line is, we could call it even, you could call me babe for the weekend, Tis the Damn Season. We could call it even, you could call me babe for the Because she's transforming the meaning of call from the first line to the second line. Oh, like call, it, call even it even is like a, this, like a one turn of phrase. And then she kind of tr- transforms the meaning in the second phrase to call me babe for the weekend. Ah, uh, got so it. So like right. sets you up for, you're, you're expecting to hear kind of one thing, but then it, it takes you in a different direction. That's a very country turn of phrase. That's the hinged figure. Oh, ooh, okay, neat. This is so much fun. You know, we've uh, probably explored Taylor's work more than anybody else's on our show, and yet I learn new things every time. The hinged figure. Here's one from Ronnie Millsap. She didn't come here for the money. She came here for the change. Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) Where Where are you getting these? It's all in this article by Jimmy and Rogers and Miller Williams called Figure It Out, The Linguistic Turn in Country Music. Okay, cool. We'll post a, a, a note about that in our, yeah. in our show notes. Okay, so we've talked a lot about how she's you know, using the skills of her early period. We've talked about the pop production from the middle period. We're going to talk about, I think, some of the creativity that has come in what you call maybe her L.A. period. In this place where I think she's really taken on a mastery of songwriting and song form and is pushing the boundaries of how a song can be structured to surprise us in new ways and to express herself in new ways. Mm. And there's two songs that come to mind here. The first is Gold Rush. I don't like a gold rush, gold rush. I don't like anticipating my face in a red flush. I don't like that anyone would die to feel your touch. Everybody wants you. Everybody wonders what it would be like to... So this is funny, Nate. What section are we hearing here? Um, is it the chorus? Is it the verse? I don't know. We'd have to listen to the rest of the song, I think. Okay, so here's the next section. What happens next? Alright, so what's that? A bridge? (laughs) (laughs) Or a chorus? I mean, they're both really hooky. I think they're just both hooks, right? There's obviously an intro, but then the first part that kind of was like a chorus repeats. I don't like a gold rush, gold rush. I don't like anticipating my face in a red flush. And then the Mm. next part, which is like a different chorus, repeats with a subtle variation. My mind turns your life into folklore. I can't dare to dream about you anymore. 
a nice one in which she actually drops the name of her record. Wink, wink, wink. Very nice mm. folklore. This song has got a funny structure. It basically is like uh, two different sections that are repeated with a slight variation. And yet the whole time, I just feel like I'm listening to a chorus. The song's over three minutes long. I never get bored. I don't know. It doesn't structure itself like a normal pop song. And yet it's entirely catchy. And I think that is uh, a testament to just like everything in it is great. The melodies are good. It's got this propulsive beat. It has wonderful lyricism. Even the central metaphor, I think, is particularly strong. I don't like a gold rush. I don't like anticipating my face in a red flush. Mm. I don't like that anyone would die to feel your touch. I don't like a gold rush, gold rush. I don't like anticipating my face in a red flush. I don't like that anyone would die to feel your touch. Yeah, I think she's kind of showing off on this one a little bit because in that first section, whether we call it a chorus or a verse or a bridge or whatever, it's like she's really trying to use every... It's like she's breaking out the rhyming dictionary, right? Rush, (laughs) flush, touch, brush, blush, crush. That's... Yeah, it's good. That's that's an impressive uh, array of of ush rhymes. They're not multisyllabic, but they're great because each metaphor is really strong. I don't like anticipation. My face in a red flush. The shame. You can f- you actually feel that rhyme. Mm. And then in the next section, she does this other kind of lyrical trick where you have internal rhymes, right? Mm. And the coastal town we wandered round had never seen a love as pure as it. At dinner parties, I call you out on your contrarian wit. So it's like there's that inner rhyme between town and round. Oh, yeah. And then the next uh, next line does the same thing. And then it fades into the gray of my day old T. So it's like AIDS gray day. Oh. I mean, the rhyme in each of those is not those internal rhymes. It's the end rhyme. In that case, it's T. But within the structure of the line, there's these internal rhymes that match each other. Is she showing off here? <laughs> but yeah, this is a beautiful song. I love that moment in the very beginning where it starts with this ethereal choir-like opening. And then just kind of like... And then all of a sudden it's like there's a door slam shut and we're like in this other... <laughs> musical world it's a very cool moment yeah uh courtesy of the producer jack antonoff i recognize this one as a jack antonoff production for a couple of reasons and to maybe use some mixed metaphors yours and hers the the door slamming shut and maybe even this gold rush metaphor there are some sudden and unexpected changes and this is where i really picked up on uh, some of his participation perhaps in this production oh right you're right you're yeah the better metaphor is jumping into underwater and it's like there's yeah okay forget the door <laughs> yeah scratch the door go ahead you can hear what i talk about when it switches from the something chorus into the next chorus right when she says i don't like a gold rush we get this very strange downward modal modulation moving from the key of 
a major into the key of a mixolydian. This might feel like it's wonky and unnecessary to talk about, but I think it's relevant because I, I do believe that perhaps part of what really drew me to this song was another song. What song is that? No more. Did it frighten you? How we kissed when we danced on the light of floor. On the light of floor. But I hear sounds in my mind. So it turns out Lord's Green Light, also produced by Jack Antonoff, does the exact same move. Uh, song is in the key of A major, and it makes this shift down into A mixolydian, this dark, funky chromaticism mm. with the, actually the exact same chords. On the light of floor, but I hear sounds. Very similar rhythm and uh, a very sort of strong connection between these two. Not the same song. We can all reborrow chord progressions. Very common. You talked about it not so long ago uh, in Queen, borrowing from themselves as well. But uh, this is this was curious to me. I was like, it, it caught my ear. It was like one of those things where it was like in the background, scratching my head, and I couldn't figure it out for the last day or so. And then all of a sudden, I was like, oh. Oh yeah, this is that other that other song is kind of present here. What's that modulation again? So they both do this sort of funny thing where you know you're nicely in this like key of A major, and it shifts to in the end of the section it moves to a big E. You think it's gonna go back to A, but instead it goes E to G, which has this sort of chromatic note that you don't expect. The subtonic. Yes. And they both go through that same chord progression. G, D, A. And at that exact moment, the vocals shoot up in both, in both songs, giving that contrary emotion you were talking about. Chords go uh, down, vocals go up. Very satisfying. Mm, yep. You could kind of mash them up back to back. Yeah. Listen, I don't think there's any problem borrowing from yourself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in cool. the, you know, that there is a shared producer here. That's totally fine. This is Taylor's own song. And, and, and this is, again, what, what, what stands out for me here is this, this very sort of strange structure. And I like that this metaphor of sudden change is realized in the song. There's unpredictability in this song. Uh, and so it's one which where the, the, the lyric and the production, I think, really match very nicely. Which brings me to the other track that I wanted to chat about in terms of how Taylor is using her skills as a songwriter to do some creative and funky things and use this underlying production, your pianos and plucky guitars and sort of folky sounds, some electronic drums, pop production drums in the background, and do something new in each song so each song sort of stands on its own. And the song I'm, I'm talking about is Closure. Start some of those drums, distorted. 
almost like through a cassette tape. And then the piano enters. This wonderful little riff. You can hear the keys clacking. Yes, I got your letter. Yes, I'm doing better. It cut deep to know you right to the bone. Yes, I got your letter. Whoa. Uh, That's a cool one, right? Five, four odd meter. Yeah. In this one. How unusual and how fun. Yeah. The music, I mean, the music nerds are going to love this one. <laughs> totally. There's something about whenever someone does a song that's not in beats of four and when people use especially odd numbers like five, seven, or 11, the music nerds come out and, and freak out. And, and it's true. It is a, a slight musical feat to write a good song in an odd meter. Yeah. Let's, let's break down how that works real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've got a beat of three and then a beat of two. You you count one, two, three, one, two. Okay. One, two, three, one, two. One, yes, I two, got three, your one, letter. Two, yes, one, I'm two, doing three, one, better. Two, one. Yes, I got your letter. Yes, I'm doing better. It cut deep to know you right to the bone. It's cool. It's cool, yeah. But it's not, for me, this is not just about, like, music nerdery showing off the the song just works on its own because the first couple times i heard this i didn't put my nerd brain on it just worked like it's got this good phrasing yes i got your letter yes i'm doing better kind of like falling onto itself which is what that odd meter does to us like there's this extra beat we don't know quite where to dance to and Mm. it's one of those moments where the song fits the meter because this is a song where she's saying, I don't need closure. Like, I don't need your closure. She's just going to keep on moving just as the meter, just as the drums keep on moving along in a slightly unpredictable Whoa. way. Isn't that nice? Ow. I don't need your closure. Your closure. Your closure. <laughs> I'm a like. <laughs> that's cool that's great stuff all right evermore i think my opinion of this this album is is uh utterly changed i'm mm. i'm really i'm really into this there's no afterthought here especially gold rush and no body no crime like mm, yeah yeah ah totally. yes <laughs> mm, eat that up with a fork and spoon i totally see how this feels like a yeah, definitely a continuation, right? Similar timbres, same collaborators. You could shuffle these records and it all just nicely comes together. And yet this is really about songs. And there's a lot of lovely songs here. We should probably close out with the eponymous song, Evermore, features a lovely duet with Bon Iver. As I said, this this album has winky funny songs of made-up characters and some other more serious songs of personal nature relationships life challenges and so on and this is a i think a really lovely one to end on because it takes us on a journey from despair through to hope the first time we hear her chorus taylor swift is in despair and I was catching my breath Staring out an open window Catching my death And I couldn't be sure I had a feeling so peculiar That 
I don't mean to make light of the moment here, right? Like, this is a lovely little turn of phrase. This pain would be for evermore. Forevermore. Forevermore. The album Evermore. So on. Well, we've got another one of those hinged figures from country music again, right? Is that right? Oh, I didn't even recognize this. Catching my breath. Catching my death. You know? Yeah. That's similar to this Loretta Lynn song where she sings while he's making love. I'm making believe. Anyway, please, please go on. <laughs> That's right. So she's, she's, all right. She's just weaving all that good stuff in there. But this is, this is a, obviously this is a really, this is a dark, dark chorus catching my death. Worried that, you know, this pain is going to be forevermore. And then the song goes on a journey and we get a new collaborator. Cannot think of Justin Vernon of Bon Iver comes in and the whole song moves into an entirely new domain. The music shifts, the action increases, and we collide in an ocean of waves. It's the metaphor, but there's a collision of this duet between Taylor Swift and Justin Vernon. After going through this torrent, this storm, the music recedes back into that sort of calmer place where it was in that despairing first chorus. And yet, that thing that you love, Nate, is that it changes the next time around. Mm. And I couldn't be sure I had a feeling so peculiar This pain wouldn't be What a way to nail the ending. Mm, yeah, it's beautiful. I have nothing to add. That's just, it's lovely. <laughs> yeah, it's lovely. I, I, so, you know, this is an album I think everybody should go and explore. It's got 15 lovely songs. They are all kind of their own little world, whether serious, playful, whether they're in the nostalgic past of Tennessee Taylor or uh, Pop Taylor or future master songwriter taylor there's a lot to check out here hour long of songs or you get the deluxe version you can get even more songs but overall evermore folklore lovely little pairing i really just have one you know one question remains for me what's that how many more times is she going to make us do this this year you know i can't i need i need i need my sleep i can't be waking up at midnight you know every (laughs) month to to listen to the new taylor swift album so just like you know chill chill Taylor next time she wants to do a secret release she should give us a call come mm. on the show we'll do uh we'll, we'll drop it on the show next time yeah how about that call us babe for the weekend this episode of switched on pop was produced by us at a time that didn't make any sense but it got done my friend Nate Sloan me Charlie Harding we are mixed edited and engineered by Brandon Farland illustration by Aris Gottlieb, and social media by Abby Barr. Our executive producers are Nishat Kurwa and Liz Kelly Nelson, and we're a member of the Vox Media Podcast Network. You can listen to our show wherever you get podcasts. Tune in 
on Tuesday for a very special Christmas episode, our annual tradition. We'll be featuring a conversation with the great Chili Gonzalez and breaking down the song Last Christmas by Wham! Exclamation point. We'll be concluding our year the following week when Nate will be back for good, which is great. We'll be taking a little short holiday break and back again in the new year. Can't wait to see you there. And until then, thanks Thanks for for listening. listening. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Why do you run? Why does anyone? I always thought that runners loved running. And that's not the case. Most runners hate running. (laughs) But they choose to do it. In the new docuseries Running Socks brought to you by Team Milk, Abby Ayers learns why women runners everywhere are driven to go the distance. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. Team Milk is about fueling women's performance and helping them along their marathon journeys. You can sign up now for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon taking place in Savannah, Georgia on November 16th, 2024. Learn more and register at everywomansmarathon.com.